once again in Acts 2, 42 through 47. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So last week was five spiritual practices for establishing roots from Acts 2, uh, 42 through 47. And apparently it's really effective practices because what they started 20 centuries ago resulted in what we're doing this morning, right? So that's, that's staying power. That's, that's a firm foundation when you know that we're practicing some of those same things that they did. And we can learn from the things that they did 20 centuries ago. And this week, we're, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, lives, living lives that are presence-filled. Presence-filled. You'll see in a lot of the stuff that we, uh, that we talk about at One Chapel, there's three sort of pillars that One Chapel Church rests on. Presence, relationship, and mission. And so today we're going to talk about that first value, that the, the need to live presence-filled lives. So this is not only a really key component of first century church in Acts 2, but it's one of the original guiding values of the church that we belong to, one chapel. And I'm going to start the whole thing off by just giving you one simple truth. Whether you know this or not, I just need everybody to hear it. You need the presence of God in your life. You need it. You need it. I think everybody needs it, regardless of whether or not they know God, regardless of whether or not they have a relationship with him, or if they've ever accepted Jesus. I think everybody needs the presence of God. But for the believer, for us who have said, we've awakened to Jesus and we've said, I want you in my life, you can't really follow Jesus without the Holy Spirit. You can't really do it. We can do things in our flesh. We can hear Jesus and read what he said to do, and we can, we can do it. We can go through those motions, but without his spirit in us, we don't really know him. We don't really know him. And so today, we're going to talk about the presence of God and living in the presence, a presence-filled life. And so hopefully, we'll demystify a couple of things today, uh, answer a couple of questions, whether you were asking them or not. I'm going to answer questions anyway. That's just how we do it. So the simple truth is you need the presence of God in your life, which brings up the basic question, well, but I thought God was omnipresent. So if he's everywhere, aren't I already in his presence? Technically, yes, we're always, no matter where we are, we're in the presence of God because he's everything, everywhere, all at once. He's all over the place. And so we can't go anywhere where he isn't. So proximity-wise and just in a physical space, yes, we're always in the presence of God. But when we're talking about living a presence-filled life, we're talking about presence in a little bit of a different way. So to go way back to foundational principles, we all know this, but God is triune. God is three persons. He is Father. He is Son. He is Holy Spirit. So He is the Father, the Creator who made everything that we can see and who set everything in order and whose, whose will continues to move the universe forward. That's 
God the Father. There's God the Son. There's Jesus who is the physical manifestation. In him dwells the Godhead bodily, right? So he is the physical manifestation of the Father. He is the Word made flesh, coming and living among us and having, experiencing this life so they can identify with everything that we go through. Sacrifice himself once for all of the sins. That's, that's God, the Son. But then there's God, the Spirit, another person of God. And the one that I think sometimes we maybe push aside because I don't know that I understand that. I don't know that I get that. But the Holy Spirit is that person of God that seems to be the, the most communicative. Like he's the, he's the intercessor. He's the one who takes the things of God and transmits them to people. And we see this over and over and again and again through, through Scripture that the Holy Spirit functions as the interactive person of God. There's God the Father, the Creator. There's God, there's God the Son, Jesus, uh, who is in human form. But then, but then there's also the interactive person of God, and that's the Holy Spirit. So God is always present in proximity, but we see that it's the Holy Spirit of God, which we call His presence, that's working in us and through us to accomplish his will. And in order to live, like we're talking about the, the rooted life, in order to really establish and dig our roots deep and live a fruitful life, we need to be aware of both. We need to be aware of both, as David was. I'm going to read from Psalm 51. David expressed it in this way. He said to the Lord, he said, do not cast me from your presence, proximity, or take your Holy Spirit from me. See how they're two separate things? Don't cast me away from your presence. Like, God, don't turn your back on me. God, don't leave me. God, don't go anywhere. And also, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. So there's something happening outside of us, but there's something happening inside of us too. And both are the presence of God. Uh, the message version of Psalm 5111 says it this way. Don't throw me out or fail to breathe your holiness in to me. Don't throw me out. Don't cast me away to where I can't find you anymore. But also, don't fail to breathe your holiness into me. So there's an external presence of the Lord that we're always walking in because he's everywhere. But then there's an internal presence of God that is the Holy Spirit. And the proximity of his presence around us is different from the presence of the Holy Spirit within us. So scripture shows us again and again and again. It's the interactive part of God. Scripture shows us how the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. The Holy Spirit comforts us. The Holy Spirit guides us, gives us spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit teaches us and reminds us of everything that Jesus ever said. The Holy Spirit also gives us the, the ability to pray and understand God's word. The, the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to obey and the desire to obey God like what I talked about earlier. We can't really follow God apart from the Holy Spirit. We can't follow Jesus apart from the Holy Spirit. Uh, we are very strong-willed children. When the pressure's on, our natural instinct is to just do whatever makes the most sense to us that will get things done the fastest. My idea is the best idea when the pressure's on. That's the way I tend to feel. God tends to feel differently. And if he's wanting me to obey him and to follow him, then I need to listen to what his idea is. And I won't know what it is without the Holy Spirit. I won't know what it is without him speaking to me through the Holy Spirit. So we can define God's presence like this. Presence is God's personal peace 
his transformational love, and the power to be a witness, activated and experienced through the Holy Spirit. That's what his presence is. Everything that he's asking us to do, activated through the Holy Spirit, which he is. So we're talking about love, peace, power of God, being active, being experienced inside of us. And it feels like something that we should all want, right? But how do I get that? How do I walk in that? Because I don't always feel like I'm hearing him. I don't always feel like the Holy Spirit is like really close by. I feel like I've got to go on some sort of epic quest and do some crazy things and I don't know, maybe go, go to Mordor and throw something in the fires of Mount Doom or something in order for the Holy Spirit to be revealed to me, right? I feel like I got to jump through a bunch of hoops if I'm going to get connected with God. It's so hard. We feel that way sometimes. So how do we actively pursue and engage his presence rather than just kind of stumbling upon it? Do you ever feel like you're just stumbling around and every once in a while the Holy Spirit shows up? That's me sometimes. I'm just kind of trying my very best and every once in a while there's grace and the Holy Spirit shows up and I recognize it. And that gets me thinking sometimes that, oh, okay, well, I've got to do the right thing. I've got to say the right thing. I've got to go through the right motions. And that's when the Holy Spirit shows up. And so I want to just express two Two very simple things, very simple foundational principles for deepening our roots and and living a life that's more presence-filled, okay? And the first comes from 1 Corinthians 6.19. It says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? And you might say to yourself, well, I never asked for him. Why could I have received that? I didn't really say, God, can I have the Holy Spirit? If you've never said that, by the way, you can say that at any moment. You can say, Lord, fill me with your Spirit, and he will. But you don't even necessarily have to do that, because Ephesians 1.13 says this, when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. So long before any of us was born, he promised us they'll believe my son. And when they do, they'll have him, they'll have the spirit, they'll have me. They'll have all three persons living inside. So if you've ever at any point in your life said, Jesus, I want to know you. Jesus, be Lord of my life. Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, I want a deeper relationship with you. If there's been something in your heart that has said, I believe, I believe you, Jesus, then guess what? You don't have to go anywhere to find the Holy Spirit. He's taken up residence in you already, and he's been there. And sometimes he's probably checking his watch. You know, he's like, when are they going to? Okay, I've been here a really long time. I'm waiting. So first point is, as a believer, you're already a carrier of the presence of God. There's a scripture that says you don't have to go far to find the presence. This word is is not... far from you. It's, it's in your heart. It's in your mouth. The Holy Spirit is the same way. The Holy Spirit is in here. You don't have to go someplace to look for him and find him and bring him back. The Spirit is already within you. Ephesians 1.13 mentions to us that God's presence is the distinguishing mark of his people. There's a lot of different faiths in the world. The, one that, the thing that makes you different from all other people of faith in the world, is that when you said, Jesus, I believe, you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. That marks you. 
that distinguishes you. And it's pretty powerful stuff. It's, it's amazing, actually. But sometimes we forget. Anybody here a fan of the Eagles? Music, band. So they've got, they've got a song uh, called, is it Peaceful Easy Feeling? Yes, Peaceful Easy Feeling. And there's a line in there that is exactly this. It says, so oftentimes it happens that we live our lives in chains and we never even know we have the key. And it's tragic, but if you get it and you understand the, the relationship to that, that lyric and what I'm talking about today, you realize you have the key. Yeah. There are so many things we come up against and we think, oh, I've got to... I've got it. Like we were singing about earlier today, I'm going to see the victory. I'm going to see the victory. Sometimes we feel like we're going to see the victory because of something we're going to do. I'm going to see the victory because of the fight that I'm going to wage against the devil. I'm going to see the victory because of the really great idea that I have that I'm going to implement. So oftentimes it happens that we live our lives in chains to our own devices, our own schemes, our own ways of doing things. And we never even know that we already have the key to all of that victory, to everything that God has promised to us. We have the key. It is the Holy Spirit, and he is living inside of you right now, right now. So second point here is that we need to cultivate an awareness of the presence of the Spirit that's already in our lives. And this is where we get like super, super practical. It, it can seem very mystical and very ethereal to talk about cultivating an awareness of the presence. It's actually very simple. God wants for us to know him. He doesn't want for us to jump through a bunch of hoops and do a bunch of religious things and, and, and work really hard and, and grit our teeth just the right way so that he will make himself known. He's made himself known. He's not asking for us to work up our awareness of the presence. Our awareness of his presence is something that we surrender to. We just give up, which is not a, a very victorious sounding thing to say, but it, when you're walking with God, it's a very upside down, topsy-turvy kind of world. So if you want to win, give up. If you want to have victory, surrender. It seems very counterintuitive. But we need to cultivate that awareness of the presence of God that's already in our lives. And we can't do it in our own strength. We have to surrender. We have to surrender. And when we do, we, we start to notice that there's things that we chalk up to like coincidence or happenstance or, oh, that was weird how that happened. Or, man, what a weird thought I just had. And when we start asking to become more aware of his presence, we start to realize that those things that we chalked up to just like a funny little thought, oh, that was the Holy Spirit. That's what that sounds like when he speaks to me. Oh, that idea that I had. Oh, that, that desire to turn left into, the, into this lot instead of turning right to the store like I wanted to go to. Why did I want to do that? That's probably the Holy Spirit. That desire that I had where all of a sudden this old friend I hadn't seen in years just they were in my mind, and I couldn't get them out, and I felt like I needed to call them. That's the Holy Spirit. The sense of God's nearness. When we're in worship, and you feel a presence, you feel a closeness of God, you feel Him near, there's a joy that comes out. There's, there's some sort of emotional response. That's not just your emotion. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit as we open up to Him. That sense of guidance and direction that we feel to either do something or to stop doing something. That's the Holy Spirit. 
It's the Holy Spirit in our lives. And as we, as we pray to become more aware, then we begin to cultivate that atmosphere of his presence in our lives. We get, begin to get to know him on a, on a deeper level. Lord, make me more sensitive to your Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is always moving. The Holy Spirit is always speaking. And so if we're not seeing and we're not hearing, then we need to, be, to pray that we could become more attuned to what he's doing. That signal to noise ratio. We see and we hear a lot of noise. I don't want the noise. I want the signal. I want the signal. I want to hear what, and I, was, I, I asked during first service, I came up during prayer time and I just, I just asked Kevin, I said, would you pray for me? Because I, step, I delivered the message and I stepped off of the platform just in all honesty, I stepped off the platform and the first things I started hearing were these voices going off in my head about, oh yeah, you forgot to say this. Oh, you didn't say that. Oh, this is not really good today. Um, I don't think anybody's going to get anything out of this. Oh, the, the technical problems. Was that your fault? You should have done something differently about that? You know, it's all this, all this stuff. And I thought, this, no, this cannot stand. We can't do this. So I went to Kevin and I said, would you just pray for me, please, that his voice is the loudest voice, because I'm hearing a lot of noise. And Kevin prayed for me. And you know what? All those voices stopped. All that other stuff, all that noise stopped. And it's, it's just a matter of surrendering. I want your voice to be the loudest one. So Holy Spirit, speak to me. Holy, God, make me more sensitive to your presence. Make me more sensitive to your Holy Spirit. And so in order to cultivate that that presence of God in our lives so that we become rooted in him, we become fruitful, we need to go back really to Acts 2.42. And it's just this. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, and to prayer. Now, I know that when we're talking about this scripture, we're talking about human interaction, right? They got in contact with one another. They decided to be in uh, small groups that became bigger groups. They decided to join together. They decided on what they were going to talk about. They decided to meet and to keep meeting. And when you do that, as you know, you get to know people. Your, your relationships become closer, become stronger. Your relationships begin to matter more the more that you meet. It takes up a greater portion of your life. And you get to a point, if you've been meeting with somebody long enough, that they can be over here at this door and you can be over there at that back door and you hear them talking and you know exactly who that is. You don't even have to see them. You just recognize their voice. Sometimes you don't even recognize their voice. Sometimes it's a cough. Sometimes it's a laugh. And you're like, oh, I know that laugh. Anyway, I know that sneeze. Everybody's got a weird sneeze. Right? You do too. Everybody does. So somebody's like, oh, yeah, that sneeze. That's Darren. I get that. Um, but the more time you spend with someone, the more you get to know them. Not only do you get to know the stuff that they're saying to you directly, but you just, you can sense when they're in the room. You can sense when you're together, but it doesn't come by accident. That kind of relationship takes intention. It takes intention. It takes planning. Think about the, the, the church 20 centuries ago in the book of Acts. This church in Acts 2, they got to plan and they got to prepare to meet. You don't just happen to get together to talk about scripture. It doesn't really work that way. It's not always our first thing that we want to do. Now, I know the Holy Spirit was moving upon their hearts, but they still had to make plans. They had to plan. They had to prepare. They had to decide to be repetitive 
and consistent. We're not just going to meet today and we're going to become the church that, that 2,000 years later they're talking about us. This doesn't happen in one meeting. They had to plan. They had to be consistent. They had to repeat and repeat and repeat and get together and do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, right? And then, because they're people, they had to be willing to work through interpersonal differences and quirks and misunderstandings because they're just like we are. They were quirky people as well, and they needed grace for one another if they were going to continue to meet together all the time. And you know this, even people you love in your own group, there are sometimes, oh, he was a lot today. I love him, but he was a lot. <sighs> got to gear up because we're going to meet again. You know, it's like you got to have grace for one another. You got to be willing to, to see the thing. Unity is not agreeing on everything. Unity is agreeing on one thing that allows you to get past everything, right? And, that, and so you, if you're going to be in unity with people, you, you have to have grace for their weirdness, you know, for their differences, their quirkiness. So it takes consistency and it takes time. And it, that's at the heart of Acts 2. That's at the heart of fellowship with other believers. The longer you walk with someone, the deeper the relationship gets, the more you know them. Relation, it, it takes a lifetime to, to make an old friend, you know? And so this is where we kind of demystify the Holy Spirit a little bit. Cultivating a relationship with the Holy Spirit is the same thing. It's the same thing. It's a relationship. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person with a voice and with some tendencies and with some very definite likes and some very definite dislikes. And we, the more we walk with the Holy Spirit, the more we ask to be aware of the Spirit's presence in our lives, the more we get to know it. It takes planning and preparation. It takes repetition and consistency. It takes willingness to work through the interpersonal differences between what I like what I want and what the Holy Spirit likes, what the Holy Spirit wants. And for us to be able to work together and for me to eventually be able to say, okay, you're right. But it takes time and willingness to work through misunderstandings and quirks and, and, and that time spent allows us to deepen a relationship that is probably the most important one that we can have because we can't follow Jesus without it. We can't follow him without it. We have to be intentional. It's good to be motivated to do something. It's better to be intentional. Motivation, if you've ever made a New Year's resolution, motivation will not carry you through all year. The, the, the spark that allows you to say, oh, I think I want to do that, that only lasts about this long. Then you need to make decisions. Motivation never produced results. Consistency produces results. Results produce motivation. You see something happen in your life and it gets you excited and you want to do it again. I've never just decided to do something hard just on a whim just because it seemed like a great idea. I commit to do it and then I see results and I get motivated by the results. And that's how that works with our relationship with the Lord and with the Spirit. We have to consciously choose determination and consistency. And here is where I want to just give us three very practical, basic things that we can do starting today to deepen our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And it starts from Mark 1.35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, 
and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So we have to look to Jesus if we want to really know about what it means to be in relationship with the Father and the Spirit. We have to look to the Son. What did he do? He had very specific things that we can learn from here. Very first thing we need to do is, number one, establish a time. Establish a time. My time to spend in reading Bible and in, in prayer, I take the morning because I've got some time. Well, if I get up early enough, I've got some time before people wake up, before the day gets started. And I've got some space. I've got some time. And, and I don't always make it, but I establish it. And I realize that if I haven't made that appointment, then, oh, missed that one. I got to get back on it tomorrow. It, it, it becomes something that I schedule into the day. Now, morning doesn't work for everybody. First thing in the morning might not work for everyone. But whatever does work for us, whatever schedule does work for us, I mean, we, we can't keep friendships if we never see each other. We also can't deepen our relationship with the Spirit if we never see each other. So we got to make time. Establish a time. Make an appointment with God and keep it and be dedicated to keep it. And if you miss it, oh man, I got to keep it tomorrow. Give yourself grace because stuff happens and God's not mad at you. So stuff happens. So just pick it back up tomorrow. Very, very practical stuff. Consistent practices to cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit. First, establish a time. Second, establish a place. Establish a place where you know this is just me and God. This place is just for me and for God to speak to me and for me to recognize the Holy Spirit. Uh, my place is in the front room of our house. There's a little library room that we created. It's got some bookshelves we put in there. There's this, uh, this yellow, like, swivel rocker chair that's the most comfortable chair in the house. And I'm rocking, and I'm reading, and I'm praying, and that is my place because there's nothing else going on. None of the noise has been able to crop up yet. But we need to find an undistracted environment, a place where we're not distracted by the other stuff so that his voice can be loudest, a place where we're not distracted by the environment. And then we need to work it into our routine. Repeat, repeat, repeat. They say it takes, what, like seven days to make a habit? It takes like one or two days just to completely destroy it. So you gotta, those first seven days are pretty important. So establish a time, establish a place, and then establish a plan. In Acts 2, they had a plan for what they were gonna talk about. When they scheduled those times to meet together, they already had a plan. We're gonna talk about the scriptures. We're gonna talk about the apostles' teaching. We're gonna eat something. I mean, that's a great plan. That's an awesome plan. I would love that plan. We should, oh, we do that already. That's our small groups. We do that. Um, but they had a plan for what they were going to talk about, what they were going to do, how they were going to center that, that time together. So when it's you and the Holy Spirit, make a plan. Make a plan. Some things that you want to ask him. Some plan for what, what you want to say, for questions you want to ask, for scriptures that you want to read. Um, if, if you don't have, and I highly recommend working scriptures and working the Bible into this time, this this quiet time with the Lord. If you don't have a plan that you're following yet, I want to just do a, uh, a plug for the plan that there's like 40 of us now at OCLH who are all going through this, the version, uh, one story that leads to Jesus plan. And it's, 
Today, there were three chapters of Genesis that we read and and Psalm 15, and then we're talking and sharing what God showed us and all of it. We're going to be reading the entire Bible this year together, and there's so far, there's 40 of us doing it, and that's amazing because we have a common common set of scriptures that we're reading each day that we can talk about not only online with one another as we're sharing what the Lord's showing us and encourage one another, but then when when I see people, the next time I see them, we can talk about it again. It gives us a way to share those scriptures with one another, to talk about what God is showing us. And, and even though reading the Bible doesn't guarantee a relationship with God, I can tell you this, that you won't know what the Holy Spirit sounds like if you don't know what the Bible says. The Bible is God's expression to us through the Holy Spirit, moving on people to write things down. And the more familiar we are with our Bible, the more we recognize not only God's word, but his ways, the ways that he speaks to us and the heart that's behind the things that he says. We'll recognize his voice more when we know what his words are. So uh, if you don't have a plan, if you do have a plan, that's amazing. Keep doing it. And if you miss a day, that's fine. Just pick it up tomorrow. Pick it up the next day. Consistency is the most important thing. Our roots are formed in the routines that we practice, the things that we repeatedly do over and over and over and over again. Those are the things that cause our roots to grow down. 